This recording was brought to you by Media One Audio Visual. To learn more about us, visit us online at MediaOneAudio.com. My name is Mike McGuire Gartner. I'm moderating the panel. Um, and this is going to be about introducing to you a new protocol that we all think is going to be very important to online music in terms of, and the industry in terms of how we tie together social media tools, social networking, create new engagement um, opportunities. So what I'm going to do is have uh, Chris Saad from Echo give you a brief overview of this backplane uh, protocol that we're talking about, and then we'll commence the rest of the panel and hopefully be able to show you a demo of this. Chris, why don't you go ahead? Sure. Hi, everyone. Um, Chris Saad from Echo. Um, so the idea behind backplane is really, really simple. So we kind of just switch roles a little bit because I wanted to it up the top, very top of the panel, so everyone wasn't left scratching their head like, "What the heck are these guys talking about?" Uh, it's a very, very simple idea. Um, as a company, Echo and, and Badgeville and, and Jan Rain and, and many other widget providers, um, you know, people who build experiences that are designed to live on third-party websites, um, have had to contend with this idea that, or or publishers who choose these widgets from these multiple different vendors, um, have had to contend with this problem of having these widgets collaborate with each other, to interoperate with each other. So when you log in at the top of the page, all the widgets on the page don't know that the user logged in. You have to log in again into the, the game mechanics widget and the, the commenting widget and the you know the, the poll widget or what have you. And so for a, a publisher to choose best of breed widgets from multiple independent vendors was a hard choice, right? They'd spend months integrating these things and months deintegrating them and it just is a really hard problem to solve, uh, especially at scale. And so uh, at Echo, we're the widget company, right? We've been doing widgets for four or five years um, for commenting and real-time streams. And we just thought, this is too hard. And so we, we proposed an open standard called Backplane. We designed and proposed a standard called Backplane, uh, which was the idea of our CEO, Chris Liu, who it was essentially a call conference for a website. So when the website loads up, all the widgets on the page are able to dial into this conference with a conference bridge, if you will, and listen in to each other. And so when one of the widgets figures out who the user is, uh, in most cases, you know, Jan Rain facilitates login, Jan Rain sends a message out onto the back plane, onto the conference call and says, hey guys, I know who the user is. Here's their avatar, here's their username, here's their email address, maybe here's their OAuth token and so on. And so all the other widgets get to light up and treat the user as logged in. And that's just one use of backplane and probably the one we will focus on most is single sign-on. Uh, but it's generally, it's a generic protocol for sending messages between the widgets on the page um, without knowing ahead of time what CMS is running, what vendors are on the page, what widgets on the page, and what they need to know. Um, so Wi-Fi is a good analogy to keep in your head. As long as you have the web key and the SSID, you can listen in on the Wi-Fi hotspot. Same thing with backplane. If you have the backplane credentials, your widget can listen into what activity is happening on the web page. Um, I think that's pretty much it. And so these guys will put it into actual context and, and why it solved their problems. But. Right, and I think just generally, I mean, we've all, you're all here at this festival, at this particular conference, and I see many faces that I've seen here before over the years. We all see the potential in online music. Consumers are shifting. Um, and increasingly, you know, as a lot of these leading edge consumers, many of us are leading edge music consumers, um, right, they're, they're sharing and moving their profiles across different networks. They're moving and extending these, their consumption and discovery experiences across different devices. And one of the challenges for all the sites that are engaged in 
creating opportunities for folks to discover and find new music is how do you create constantly engaging, compelling, and more importantly, and I think what this technology is going to address is how do you do that as a site and make it convenient and easier for the consumer to express themselves or engage across different widgets, across different sites, and as importantly, have that information tracked and gathered in such a way that, so that all the participants in the ecosystem can find a way to measure and find valuable information to extract from those exchanges. Um, and as soon as we get a chance here to get lit, um, and actually I should do a few more introductions. Um, Lee Hammond from Universal, Chris you've already heard from, Vidya, Jenry, and then our friend Matthew down at the end from Badgeville. Um, what we're going to hope to do when this guy gets this, we hope, lit um, <laughs> at some point is Lee's going to tell you what this technology has enabled for Universal and a lot of its subsidiaries, what they're able to do with the technology. Uh, Vidya will then kind of explain where the, the, the protocol is in terms of the specification and where how it's been developed. And then what we hope to do is have Matthew also kind of give us some insight into what Badgeville sees as the potential with this technology. Um, I'm sorry? Uh, no. Oh. <laughs> so this room is cursed. Yeah. This is my connector. And while we're waiting for that, I think you know, Lee. If there was, uh, you're in the middle of piecing. Oh, um, maybe one thing you could do is kind of give us a little introduction about how you a found out about the technology, and I guess what problems were you wrestling with when you uh, got a chance to to start using it. Well, I I, uh, I had been trying to solve for a, a better experience in general and finding the right publishing tool. And uh, I looked at our solution, and then I started looking beyond our solution. Our solution is Microgroup, which is a, a CMS provider out of Seattle. And I thought, okay, perhaps Drupal, perhaps WordPress, <coughs> perhaps EOS even, um, would be the best in breed solution for Not pulling together all of this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this one goes back in time. Um, providing uh, a solution that would um, let us have really great experiences in the context of a website. What I found was even, and this is sort of, let's take it from end of 2009 and all of 2010, this conversation, this, this research is going. You know, that's the same time I'm seeing lots of really interesting single utility players show up in the marketplace. SoundCloud was there before, but really becomes the de facto standard for audio and Topspin really is got trajectory for, for e embeddable e-commerce. And so it starts to be a little less about Oh, which CMS has the best audio player? I mean, what all-in-one solution has an audio player, an e-commerce component? Uh, because it really doesn't matter if it has an equivalent. If it's not the best in breed, it's not as relevant for some of my artists and managers. And oftentimes, artists and managers are familiar with a tool that they just want to use inside of their website. So we did put we put all those widgets on our websites. There you go. Hey. Yay. And. Um, <laughs> But they're all disconnected experiences, so that actually may just tee up where I want to go here. And I guess I'll pose to you the, just an initial question, and each one of you folks maybe can address this, but just in general, was your initial impulse to look for the magic silver bullet, single platform, give it to me, I, I spent a, a fair amount of time, and, and the other part, and this is really not part of this conversation, it was, yeah, I didn't feel like some of those other applications, while they were social, they weren't social in the way that uh, I feel Echo real-time is, and that's a... Yes, that's an endorsement for them, but that's not about backplane. That's about how well you bring in Twitter and Facebook into your website experience. 
So it was a combination of events. It was, uh, I was looking at Echo for the real-time services, and then they concurrently, my discovery was through Echo that, hey, this is a standard for bringing not just Echo onto your page, but all these third-party widgets. And certainly, that just checked so many boxes at one step for me. Oh, wow, I've got an ability to play well with all the emerging technologies, and all the companies that are on the logos here can come onto our websites, but not make the user go through registration five times on one page. So it, it yeah. It's been a nice uh, conf confluence of, of uh, uh, technology and companies. Since you're, since you're, we're lit now. You, can, uh, you guys all see that? Okay. Yay. This was what Chris would have been taught. <laughs> this, this is what Chris was talking about. The only thing I would like to, you didn't talk about it. I know you have a, you know, your history personally comes out of data portability and activity streams as an open standard. And you're not solving a problem just for the music business. Some of your other customers, Washington Post, yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm, I've been passionate about open standards for a long time, as Lee has actually. That's where we first met uh, many years ago, and as Vijay and, and Jan Rain have been. Uh, and so data portability was something I co-founded, which was probably more well known a couple of years ago. But it was about making open standards the de facto way of doing things. Um, and so uh, Backplane fits well into that general thrust of my work and. Um, and I think it, it fits well overall. Wash and as Lee said, we're not. This is not really a music industry solution. Although through Universal Music Group, it's I guess the most high-profile implementation is you know Lady Gaga's and Eminem's of the world. Um, but we're on as, as Lee said, Washington Post, NBC Universal, Reuters, um, Turner Properties, uh, some unannounced ones at ESPN, Disney. No TechCrunch writers in the room. Uh, you know, it's 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 gonna it's got quite a bit of traction. So <laughs> wait for them to raise their hands. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, so it's the nice thing about Backplane uh, that through Echo being on so many sites and through um, Jan Rain being on so many sites, actually the whole web is Backplane enabled already. Uh, that's probably maybe overstating my point, but there is a large segment of the web that is Backplane enabled already. So that's, we didn't want to build another standard and have it stuck in committee for years. It, it's, it's up, it's running, it works, it solves a very specific problem. And, uh, you know, we started, just to give you an idea, this is... A not all of the sites, but he, these are a lot of Interscope sites, which, which is where, where we started developing this. These are all Interscope artist sites that are running Backplane via JanRain and Echo and other providers. So um, it's getting traction within UMG. Uh, I think this is uh, what I've shown internal executives to sort of explain it in real simple terms what what exactly happens and the problem is when you're as Chris said when you're using all these third-party widgets and these are all companies we all know here uh, Badfield Top's been involved they all need a user identifier to run and if in most websites that means a separate reg flow for each one of these to enable and, and turn themselves on Backplane solves that problem by letting the first one of these widgets, first thing that engages somebody, be the one that then captures and broadcasts that out to the rest. So in this, interest, in, in this diagram, commenting caught Dwight, this is my t uh, prototypical user, who then, as Chris said, over the backlane shares enough user identifier that for the Badgeville widget to turn on and get award points for the merch widget to s figure out that Dwight's a man and maybe display a men's t-shirt. Uh, do a get into the chat room and maybe sign up for a newsletter. So I'm going to go to a live demo and like live. Let's see if this we we have connectivity.
Okay, so I'm, <coughs> this is the Jan Rain piece. This is the authentic, this is, I'm logged in here. And now it's captured me as logged in. Now the rest of the widgets on this page should, uh-huh, it's a demo. <laughs> uh, let me, it should, it should be able to catch the back. Uh, let's just see if I refresh. Yeah, it's no. There I am. I'm logged in on a separate third-party commenting widget, Echoes. I am into a, this is my, I'm getting points and rewards. I've got 30 points and rewards from a Badgeville widget, loyalty and rewards. And down here, I can log in to comment. So all of these separate third-party widgets didn't talk to anybody's API. They just looked at the backlink spec. The involved guys did it in less than a week, you know, and, and I think a day coding, but they just, I sent them the spec. They showed me a prototype two days later. So it's a fair. I don't. I think that it's a very fast spec to roll out. Yeah. We, in the early days, we found it was lo took longer to convince the engineering and executive team to do it <laughs> than it did to actually do it. So uh, it's pretty easy spec. If I might, Chris, what were some <laughs> top line? When you say that, I'm curious. What were their initial? What was the hesitancy? Just the fact that it was it's, promising something that they couldn't quite grasp or believe. Um, Maybe, uh, maybe <laughs> Matthew, you can explain about your internal discussions. From the outside, it just seemed like when you say open standards to someone, their eyes glaze over and they're like, yeah, we'll get to that eventually or I don't see the business value of that. Or Even if they don't even consider the business value, they assume open standards means black hole committee of no value. Um, or why don't you just use our API? We have an API. And uh, But Matthew, maybe you can talk yeah. about your internal well, debate. Yeah, I, I was just going to say, I mean, I, I think it's the fear of losing control. And, um, you know, when you're... You know, when you're a startup and you're focusing on building out your business and your technology model, you know, when you think about an open stack, you think about, um, you know, joining a collaboration versus, you know, focusing on kind of what your core competency is. And so the fear in terms of what, and we started actually conversing with, uh, with the Echo guys back in, I think, September of last year. And it really took me like 45 days to basically say, you know, we're going to do this and here are the reasons why. And it ended up, you know, working to our benefit. But the main thing is just kind of breaking down the wall of the value of openness and non-proprietariness, if that's even a word, uh, versus um, kind of single stack monolithic uh, type solutions, which is what I think we're all accustomed to. I don't know and, if that makes and, and I just, for you guys, I put up the slide. Of, oh, sorry. For you guys, I put up a slide of some of the companies that are backplane enabled or in the process of backplane enabling. And, and for UMG, I've been saying this is a way you can onboard and get across all of our sites, and it's one single integration. And UMG historically has not picked the road of we're all going Drupal or we're go, all going EOS. Or, so um, because, and it's not really in UMG's DNA. Worldwide, it's, you, you go territory by territory. There are providers who are maybe using WordPress, Joomla, uh, Drupal. Too many different solutions to say, okay, I'll do this. In fact, what's really, what makes a lot of the, the when I demo this, this solution come, we bring it to you with whatever you're doing. Uh, but it is normalized enough for software developers and the companies I have on the slide say, okay, this is predictable. I'm willing to, to uh, modify, uh, to get, in, get onto the page and make a better user experience. Chris, okay, actually, why don't we do this, Vidya, why don't you go ahead and tell us, Leah, unless we're No, I'm, I'm we're so, done with this that is Vidya's slide. Okay. 
So what does a user management platform for the social web company have to do with Backplane? So back last year, I think sometime in early summer when uh, Echo and Janrain got together to talk about it, Chris uh, and Chris both pitched the, pitched the protocol to us. And it seemed like a very natural fit given the history and the background of, uh, of Janrain. We come from uh, user identities. We took the first step in way back in 2005 in making sure that the OpenID protocol, uh, which is a very uh, geek-friendly protocol, uh, got more consumerized. And uh, today you see the deployments in Google and Yahoo and uh, many other providers, but you don't really know that underneath the covers these are OpenID and OAuth flavors. So uh, Janrain has always been a proponent of taking technologies and seeing their value for what they are. And uh, our founder, uh, Larry Dribus, uh has been instrumental in founding the OpenID Foundation, and uh, we wrote some of the original libraries to make sure that this technology was more adopted. So when Chris and Chris came to us with Backplane, we saw the value in the, as Matthew alluded, in the non-proprietary nature of the protocol, making sure that the deployments are turnkey, which was very, very, um, uh, important to us. Uh, being able to integrate multiple partners on a page in a very secure manner and being able to do it uh, in a very turnkey fashion was absolutely very appealing. And as you can see, Lee's been able to uh, turn on so many providers and so many applications on a site. And more important than uh, different widgets being able to communicate with one another is how, how much little work does the publisher have to do in order to get all this up? And that was the most appealing part of Backplane to us. So uh, we threw our full might and force behind it, and uh, we're currently working with uh, Echo and uh, Involve, uh, Backplane, and uh, many Agile. other vendors. And, and? Agile. Agile. Sorry. <laughs> uh, on, uh, on the next, next generation of the specification, uh, which obviously when you put out a specification, you write to certain use cases, and as you have more customer deployments, you see many more use cases surface. And uh, we're in the process of uh, next generationizing the uh, the backplane protocol, if you will. And so, if you went to backplanespec.com, uh, you have to ask yourself the question: Are you a vendor uh, looking to become backplane compliant? There are resources for that. Um, are you a, a website provider? You can turn your site registrations to be backplane compliant as well. So you might want to do that. So there are resources that we're working on putting up for that. And since it's a open protocol and open standard, we want more than one vendor to be running the actual service. Uh, so currently, uh, Echo runs the service, and we're all consumers of that service, and Janrain's working on setting up another uh, version of our service. The goal is to decentralize it. Think of it as the DNS. You have so many DNS authorities on the web. Uh, this is like having many, many providers run the backplane uh, service. Um, I miss anything on that slide? News and events. News and events. <laughs> so uh, we're here making news right now. <laughs> we're here making news. So uh, we're also uh, educating vendors who want to be backlink compliant, or uh, customers who want to add backlink compliant widgets to their page. So if you have any questions, you can shoot me an email uh, with the Jan Rain, or you can send a note to Chris, and we'll have more of a formal education and uh, materials developed on the website. If folks are you know developers here who are looking to engage in this, what you know, not without a, a specific timeline of deliverables, but if they're, they've got a site that's up and running, what should they be looking at in terms of the next two, three months, six months, in terms of what they should be looking at and what they're doing? Absolutely. So uh, in terms of what you can do today is you can contact any one of us and we can get you all the, all the information necessary to become backlink compliant ASAP. 
Uh, Echo has a service that's uh, the backend server, so we'll give you all the credentials to connect to that server. Over the next two months, uh, JanRain will be standing up our own service as well, so you can go either to Echo or to JanRain to get uh, the backplane credentials, the backend to actually be able to run it on your widget. Um, and the website will obviously have uh, way more content than it does today. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Okay. Hey, Matthew, why don't you, you started kind of giving us a little background on how you a, got introduced to it and some of the initial challenges of getting the company to kind of get behind it. But why don't you tell us a little, give us a little bit more background about what you're doing with it, a little bit more, again, what you see the potential as somebody who's going to leverage the technology. Yeah. So, um, so, so my background actually is in uh, content management, and I've been doing it for. I've been selling monolithic enterprise, you know, painfully slow to deploy solutions that I'm sure a lot of you, pretty much all of you, are accustomed to doing over your years and years of um, technology experience or business experience. Um, and uh, and I've also been working for a lot of SaaS companies in, in in my in my days. So I actually joined Badgeville as a consultant last year. And then joined full time in in December, um, and we actually started talking when I was still consulting for for Chris Duggan, the CEO, and and Wedge, the CTO. Um, I'll use kind of some general buzzwords in terms of why we saw this as valuable. The first, the idea of openness, um, the power of flexibility and configurability um, <clears throat> in the in the CMS world. This there's this whole concept of like a big monolithic solution that you have to manage. You have to iterate, you have a development team, you have stacks and stacks of different solutions that are trying to all speak to each other, whether it's you know, each you know, proprietary registration system or a different social layer or you know, some plugin stack that you have to, you, know, you end up spending large, um, you know, large cycles deploying as well as iterating and, and managing. Um, the elegance of what this collaboration has created is, is, a, is a set of very, very light layers built into a framework and this framework is extremely flexible, very agile, plug and play, um, and you know, it just allows for new partners to come in as soon as they can write to the the backplane spec, they can plug right in. And for any company that is you know deploying using the backplane standard, they can just to go right in. In fact, we, as a collaborative, have gone into organizations, and now we are going and um, uh, finalizing partnerships with organizations that. Um, without actually us being in front of anybody, just because the whole nature of backplane and the value of what it brings. Um, so the a couple of other key things that we that you know that I was really pushing for in terms of why it was so important to do this, um, that the value of time to market in this day and age, if 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 it takes you 12 months, 15 months, 18 months to deploy a piece of web technology for a digital strategy and bring it to market, um, by the time you actually deploy the damn thing, you're going to be 15 you know months behind. So the key is, how do you quickly take that framework and get it to market and be able to iterate it? And the great thing about the companies that's part of this, as well as the open standards that we've actually created, um, is the value of, of each of these companies ha has their core competency of what they offer. And we all have the core competency of developers, and, and we're very good at what we do. And as a collaborative, we bring to the table the best of breed that, frankly, no other no other single organization that provides a single monolithic solution, and I hate to use that word, but single monolithic proprietary solution can compete. They just can't. Um, and, you know, it really just goes down to, you know, a lot of these organizations over the years have um, developed 
a monolithic solution that has like a lot of breadth, but not enough depth. Not enough. Not enough depth. Excuse me. So um, what we've actually created is all these different companies have a ton of depth, a ton of core competency, um, and I think just kind of the last point that I'll that I saw as value and why I was able to finally get the guys to sign off on my side is it really comes down to looking at a digital experience through the eyes of the user and going to a website and having to go through multiple steps to actually get to what you want to do is painful and it allow and it and it creates a very um, high probability that you're going to have a very uh, very quick entrance and a very short exit to the experience so the value of what this is is that somebody can come in and through one single process log in and start you know, engaging directly with not just the site, but the audience that's on the site. And really, at the end of the day, it drives community, drives uh, fan involvement through the different Interscope sites, and at the end of the day, it drives, drives engagement. So hopefully that provided uh, some perspective. Excellent. Thank you, Matthew. Um, Lee, I wanted to ask one thing. You'd mentioned earlier one of the challenges Universal has is all the different operating units in the different parts of the world. Um, and I've not heard of, but I mean, do you sense this is, you kind of alluded to it, do you sense this is maybe a, a technology where you can push that out from headquarters, so to speak, to all the properties in the different parts of the world, or is that too ambitious? No, it's, that's, that, that, is, is that is the plan. It is a very ambitious, and it is the learning, there's kind of two threats. It's a conversations with companies here that we're trying to, integrate with the backline and then internally introduce it as something that goes inside of your websites. So, um, you know, but it is, you know, going back to uh, finding a commonality with all of these platforms, really, you know, there are big platforms like Drupal and WordPress that you could accomplish some of this with. But really what the standard we're picking here is basically HTML and JavaScript. And that's yeah. very predictable to find around the world, you know. So that, that's something we haven't spoken about too explicitly. But the, one of the key business requirements of Backplane was that you could bootstrap any website, even a static site or any CMS platform, to be Backplane compliant very, very quickly. So unlike uh, the old days, I said old days it was a year ago. Uh, open Social. Last <laughs> <week>. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, Open Social was an effort, almost a monolithic effort to solve an open standards problem um, and there was you know there's a lot of you know WordPress and Drupal and whatever and it's like oh well if you were just all on Drupal or if you were just all on WordPress or if you just install um, an open social server and run all your apps as open social containers and it's like really heavy work and so with Backplane to make a page Backplane compliant you add a JavaScript library to the page and it's Backplane compliant. So any page, static or otherwise, can be backlink compliant. That's why uh, UMG is able to roll it out to a, a heterogeneous web, um, and why we think it'll it'll gain traction. And also, unlike Open Social or whatever, it does one thing and one thing very well: the communication pipe for the widgets. Mm -hmm. It doesn't try to solve all the problems uh, and boil the ocean. One question I was getting, and we're going to get to you to the audience in just one second, but it's the issue of privacy, personally identifiable information. Uh, thanks to Sony, lots of issues regarding security and privacy are in the news these days. Mm -hmm. As a, maybe many of these folks are developers, what should they be thinking? Or they need, do they need to be concerned about issues regarding PII, security, et cetera, when they're looking at the, at the backplane uh, protocol? 
Yeah, the way I would describe it is that backplane is no more or no less secure than doing another way. Mm-hmm. So it is, as I'll, we came up with this phrase earlier, it's, backplane is not a security protocol, but it's a protocol that supports security. So um, adding backplane to your site won't, won't make it more secure, but it won't make it less secure either. Uh, and we're, you know, we have a Jan Rain's um, team, who one of the guys who helped write OpenID, is that correct? Yeah, security so guy. we, we ha- put, put a team of people on it that are, that are security-focused, uh, security security-conscious. Right. Uh, and it's a protocol with security built in so people don't have to think about it. And it's, it comes inherently, and it's like saying your car comes with uh, you know, airbags. So your car should never be built without airbags, and so uh, mm-hmm. any protocol, lightweight or otherwise, should not be built without security consciousness uh, mm-hmm. baked into it. That being said, in terms of the trust model, uh, for any of you engineers and identity experts out there, is based on, with OAuth, if you're familiar with OAuth, the idea is that the user is delegating authority to Twitter to authenticate you into a website. And so the user makes that decision. In a backplane scenario, the publisher, so Lee and UMG, makes a decision to trust a widget. So as a publisher, as a site owner, you definitely need to do your due diligence on a widget before you give them the backplane credentials. If they're a bad actor, they're a bad actor, right? So you need to vet vendors just like you would anyway. Um, And so, yeah, certainly it's possible for a bad actor to be on the backplane and collect information. But it's as a site owner, you need to be vetting but that's, actors. You just that's something you're monitoring anyhow. It's a, it's Revocation a of the bad actors is pretty standard right. practice. And, right. And, and, the, and the reality is those the very widgets that we're talking about, the companies that we're putting on the board, are on sites today. They're just not uh, collaborating. So that's this, right. This right. is an onboarding. So they were unilaterally, if they were a bad actor, they were already Bad acting, placement yeah. and position in, independent. Yeah. We are going to, um, I mean, this is a formalizing the process while keeping it as lightweight as possible and looking at, at you know, Jan Rain to help us keep it as secure as possible. Yeah. yeah, and I do want to draw the line between privacy and security. So the protocol itself is inherently secure and the bad actorship that we talked about here is more of a privacy. What do they do after they have built it securely, take over the information, and what do they do with that piece of information? Yeah. And that's more of a... <coughs> Governance, how do you manage uh, and onboard these various vendors onto your site? Excellent. Um, we do have a microphone here in the audience. I thought we did. If anybody has any questions, although I think we got a small enough room, you could probably shout it out, but I think for they're the recording this, so we'd like to uh, for you to use the microphone if you have any questions. No questions? If you wouldn't mind. Um, Leo? Lee. Lee, I'm sorry. Um, so which properties, that, that was the problem. Oh. Um, <laughs> um, which properties within UMG uh, uh, are currently backplane enabled? And then can you describe, is there, is there a plan or a, a schedule to have additional properties by a certain date or something like that? It's exactly what I'm in the middle of. And uh, it's, again, I work at Interscope but we have been sort of championing the spec in this partnership. So you'll see virtually every new site have it, and then we're backfilling sites. So this isn't even the entire, this is whatever it is, 24 that are backplane enabled. Some marquee names, Lady Gaga is is running backplane. um, uh, One Republic, Pussycat Dolls, Nicole Scherzinger. We're turning them on every week, and then we're backfilling sites. I have been working with my counterparts at Island Def Jam and UMRG, so that you'll see JLo 
is, uh, is backplane enabled, as well as uh, Matthew Morrison. Those are both island def jam sites. Um, and there's a UMRG site. And those, these are more, these guys are doing the first implementations and we're walking them through it. But honestly, we are looking to flip and bring as much of North America onto this platform, I want to say by July. Uh, so you will see a significant uh, flip, and that's, that's what we're working on. And uh, it will be a North American standard. We all sort of use the same publishing system, so there's even, there's even, it's even easier to sort of copy and share code. Uh, overseas, we're working on, they're so fragmented, there'll be slightly a, a WordPress implementation, a Drupal implementation, that they're common standards. And onboarding them will probably be the balance of the year. There'll be some pilot sites that we see happen in the UK and around the world. But um, I, I, I demoed this the heads of global digital back in early March. And again, it's attractive because um, in contrast to some of the other label groups, we didn't tell Germany, stop using that publishing system, use Drupal, use WordPress. You know, We said, here, what are you using and how can we bring this to you? And it's a very attractive offer uh, for the rest of the world. If, if, the, if the question is around footprint, uh, as well, as I alluded to earlier, um, theoretically every Jan Rain site, which is how many thousands? Three hundred fifty thousand. Three hundred fifty thousand sites only. Uh, uh, yes, they're slouches. They're getting there. Um, and you know every Echo site, um, which we had six hundred thousand, but we—that's the long tail. Really, we're focusing on the head right now, which is you know we're only looking at fifty hundred sites, um, but they generate you know. We do at the Bin Laden event. We had twenty thousand um, unique search requests a minute during that. So we're serving a lot of traffic for mainstream media, uh, and so all of our sites, all of Janrain sites, if not already have backlink turned on through a configuration toggle on Janrain side, will be ha become backlink compliant if the publisher asks for it. So it's it's a pretty big footprint already. You know, that's, in fact, Matthew, you didn't you didn't talk about this, but uh, but. Uh, that's one of the things when I talk to some of the people in this companies that are that I want to integrate the backplane to be on one of my sites. You know, you know, it's UMG. We're we're not we're no slouch here. We have big brands here, but just to then throw out throw out there, who else can, is running backplane? Washington Post. Right. Uh, yeah. Uh, it it becomes much. It's, it's like if your integration can not only live in music, but it can live on all these other uh, brands and verticals. I know Matthew, you've had some experience getting. You started. I don't. Know, you didn't start with us, but you. Through this, working with Echo and Jan Ring, doors have been opened and for... Yeah, actually, we, we, we did start with you, but what I was going to say is, um, as a result of this, I mean, um, I mean, if you look at, for those of you that might have rolled out Drupal, trying to actually find somebody in the community and something that you did something very similar with, if you go to drupal.org, is like trying to find a needle in the haystack in terms of my experience. What's great about this open standard is that there are so many companies that are, and, and it's just starting and I think there are so many companies that are going to start rolling out the standard the community that we're creating around this because it's so open and because it's so flexible and because it's so easy to deploy um, and because it's so rapid time to market um, everybody's going to really start helping each other so you're going to start seeing much more agile much more um, innovation as opposed to just having to manage these these systems so one thing actually also which we're seeing happen in the wild is um, some of our customers really, really get it, and Lee being the ch chief among them. Um, and so what he says to, uh, to vendors 
oftentimes in, in, in subtle terms is if you want to get on my page, you need to adopt Backplane. Yeah. And so there is this growing suite of vendors who are come, encountering our customers who are telling them you must become Backplane compliant. So that through that, there's a growing set of vendors. And then the vendors are saying to customers, well, geez, why don't you guys adopt Backplane? It would make the implementation easier. And so a growing set of customers that we've never even heard of are becoming Backplane compliant. And Backplane is not just about Facebook and Twitter and Yahoo and Google login. You can actually make a proprietary login Backplane compliant. Because it, again, it's just this open communication bus. It doesn't really care where the authentication occurs. So, and the other thing is the key to actually plugging in even not just, you know, best of read in terms of what we're offering and other new partners that come on board. Let's just say down the road you want to plug in, um, you know, a digital registration service or a new e-commerce platform. I mean, it, you know, once they become backplane and compliant, you can literally plug them in and go. And if you don't like them in a couple of months, you can take them out and plug somebody else in. So think of it as like this bus and then you basically with a bunch of puzzle pieces you can stick in the puzzle piece you could take it out and yeah and i wanted to add that when we were talking about uh, we talked about you know each one of us being best in best in class and what we do and not trying to like replicate you know their functionality in our product and so on and so forth so we were looking for a partner to do loyalty rewards and game mechanics at jan rain and the thought of integrating with someone didn't even cross our mind because they were already backplane compliant and they were already best in class in what they did. And so we went out to market and said, you know, let's announce a partnership and let's OEM your solution. So the technical integration wasn't even a point of discussion at that point because we were already integrated. Interesting. James, you've been yeah. holding um, So Vidya, your company became successful by commercializing an open standard. Is there any plans to do the same thing with Backplane? So we definitely intend to uh, run a Backplane service. Um, by commercializing, I don't think we're actually going to make money off of Blackplane, but we will be running a Backplane service, as I mentioned. And uh, and in, in terms of OpenID, we don't make money out of OpenID. It's, it's, we make money out of supporting transactions for the other uh, providers who support OpenID. So we definitely see us uh, playing in a big way uh, in pushing this protocol forward, especially since a lot of our customers have adopted it and uh, we're committed to it. Any other questions? Another question? Back in the back? Back in the back. It, it is a bit of an unusual standard in that it was born in the fire of commercial deployments, right? Um, so it was kind of born as commercially ready. Uh, and. Yeah, and which we're, I think we all learned from your OpenID experience, which is if it's not deployed at scale, then it doesn't matter. And that's really, by commercialization, that's what we're trying to do, deploy it at scale. Uh, but we're not, no one's going to profit from it other than to make things move more liquid in the marketplace so that we all profit from that liquidity in the ecosystem. So you won't charge uh, widget vendors to get on the black No, so, so what's, uh, Vidya mentioned that we have a backplane server. A backplane server is like a web server. So it's not this monolithic thing. It's anyone can spin up a web server. Uh, so we've spun one up uh, because we had to. Uh, JanRain's about to, and we're going to open source the source code so anyone can spin up a backplane server. Um, and there, there may be as many backplane servers as there are web servers. Uh, it's, or maybe they'll, and it'll consolidate it more like DNS or something, but anyone can run it. There's, yeah. no, there's no physical way to charge for it. It's, there's no gatekeeper. Well, and I w wouldn't want to say that we can't if the transaction volume hits a huge no, amount. There right. might be ways to Well, like a web server. And, you know, yeah, you, it's people, like a web service. Yeah, people charge for web servers all the time, and they're paying, they're charging for electricity and service and a whole bunch of stuff. So but the, the code other, is not going to be charged but, for But the, just to be, you know, what I've found is that historically prior to this, I had to make a case for what, a, looking at our proprietary CMS, 
looking at what it would cost to integrate. And these were all costs that were either borne by us or, the, or we had to really make a hard case for the developer to bear them. Now it's becoming much, like I said, I haven't paid anything for Involve to be on in the backplane or anything for Vagile. I'm paying for their service, which is fine, but to pay for integration to even see if I like it, that's right. the great thing to not have that be a charge anymore. Or, and neither of us have to sweat, really. Yeah, and, and the other thing is, if you've ever you know tried to purchase a new piece of technology, you'd have to create a sandbox, and then you'd have to take that sandbox, and you'd have to go play in the API and all this other stuff. The great thing is, is that we actually go into you know any of our um, any of our prospects, any of our partners, and we say, and they say, well, you know, what, what would you do about this around open authentication? And we go, well, we would suggest this, and it can just plug right in. Same, same. So we're actually all helping each other. Um, you know, and it doesn't necessarily mean that we're that we're recommending. It's just folks come to you and they say, "Well, what we want to do this stuff? Um, who would you know? How, how can we go forward with this?" The the, the only other thing is um, there are other companies in the marketplace that that you know, frankly, we compete against, and you know, they sell a single solution, and they go into these large organizations. They say, "Oh, you don't need them. You just need us." And the big red herring that, that comes with this is when you buy that and you deploy that, it's very difficult to get out of that just because of the high level of customization. You buy a single piece of technology or a single piece of, a single platform, when they say, oh, it's not gonna be that much, there's just gonna be some, some you know, highly, con you know, a lot of consulting. Consulting equals expensive. So the whole thing about, you know, heaviness versus lightness, what we've created is a very, very light framework that can very, very quickly get to get to market. Excellent, thank you, Matthew. Sir, you have a question? Hi, um, I'm wondering if you could contrast what Backplane provides uh, to developers with one-legged OAuth, which would seem to you know, give many of the same capabilities, although I, I realize there's more to Backplane mm -hmm. than just defining a standard, so. Sure. We actually just uh, spoke about Backplane at IWW, IIW, I two eyes, and um, uh, in the room were the authors of OAuth 2, uh, Dick Hart and Jason, somebody. And um, we have a notion in Backplane called a channel ID. So when, the, when a page loads, it creates a session for the user. That session is mapped to a channel ID along the bus, right? I'm um, speaking a little technically because I'm assuming you're technical. Um, there was a suggestion that instead of getting a channel ID, we would get an OAuth token an OAuth 2 token for a single layer. And so, um, sorry, you gonna say something? It's, your mic's off, but okay. Um, so, so Backplane embraces existing open standards. Uh, we use OAuth, um, we will be using OAuth to authentic, to, as, uh, to authenticate a widget onto the, onto the Backplane. And now it looks like to get a channel ID uh, and the data that goes across the backplane is up to each each scenario. So there are like uh, identity scenarios and activity scenarios. It's like like Bluetooth had different scenarios. Um, so that for the identity scenario, we're using open standards in there as well. So open ID, OAuth tokens, uh, portable contacts. So it, it's the problem backplane is solving is incredibly small and incredibly important. Uh, it's simply how do all these widgets know where the channel of information is, and then they use OAuth and get OpenID and get portable contacts, and it's, it's not a new, st you know, there's very little that we're extending here, and by, by del deliberate choice. And to that end, I would say that if anybody has feedback to submit on the next generation, we are taking feedback on the backplanespec.com website. Mm. <coughs> next question. 
Gentleman over here again. Wait for the mic. One other one uh, for Lee also. Um, there, was a, there was a big blow up between uh, Warner Music Group and Cisco, which I'm sure you're aware of. <laughs> you know. Anyway, the little background is Cisco essentially uh, was supporting a huge number of Warner Music Group sites. They then pulled out of that as their uh, broader strategic objectives changed. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously a huge problem. Is that helping you to make the case for something like like backplane? Is it, can you get a lot more traction? Curveball, I think. Yeah, so let's feel. We just had this conversation. Uh, no. um, I, oh, I did, was in, did you really? It was, no. Oh, okay. No, no, no. I was in London, uh, sort of bringing it over and showing and doing demos for the U, the Polydor, the UK labels, as well as this, some of the central people that are part of the UMGI. And that week was when that EOS announcement came out. I felt like it landed in my lap. And it was one aspect of backplane, but it's also another aspect of what we're doing. And this is more, since you're asking about UMG, we are working closely with Jan Rain on taking customer data and putting it in a place that's central and outside of any one CMS. So it's accessible and not tied to any one CMS. Mm -hmm. And that approach uh, is what would have, if we were in Warner's shoes, would have kept us from tur would be turning, turning off a EOS site, site one day and, turning, and replacing it with any CMS, WordPress, and having the user be able to be logged in and be <coughs> in the same experience. So this, uh, everything that we're talking about is isolating your technology into various stacks. And mm -hmm. one of the stacks is, is our fan data being outside of the publishing system, which is the mistake historically we've made. And Mike, you asked at the beginning when I was looking at CMSs, the reason I didn't get on Drupal or EOS, it still felt like there were some really compelling things about it, but it, on a very broad strokes, it was doing the same thing our current CMS did, which is try and register a lot of people to your .com website and hold them there and put the customer data inside the database that is running the content management system. And that is just not the way to do this because you want to you wanna have, uh, I mean, one of the things that we're building on top of this, I'm, I'm giving you an industry, is the ability for the fan to be at the website in a Facebook tab and in a mobile app and still have the same user login credentials that work everywhere. That seems trivial if you're running one.com, but if you're running it as broadly as UMG is, this is going to be a very big, uh, a big, uh, a big success for us. Matthew spoke about monolithic solutions being unable to compete with best of breed components. And in many ways, Backplane is the poster child for this multi-vendor, nim small, nimble, best of breed vendor, uh, com vendors com adding value to a page. And what you asked about is the ultimate expression of just one thing that can go wrong by picking one monolithic vendor. Mm -hmm. um, because they can pivot, they can change, they can shut down, they can, they could be Facebook and actually disintermediate you from your audience and take all the profit. They could, they could do all sorts of things. And so the goal here is for you guys to keep your control of your destiny by getting all these vendors to use market forces to compete with each other so that you continually get the best price, performance, and innovation at any given moment. Yeah, and, and just uh, another point to that, you know, at the end of the day, if you have a site, it's a brand. If you have a mobile device or a connected device or a TV, and it's all connected to something, it's, you know, at the end of the day, it's the brand. So it's all about the user experience. If you can create a way so that that user doesn't have to feel that pain, uh, this is a great way to do it. Um, and, uh, you know, 
back to the, the Warner Music, I think they have actually bigger issues than just that. They just <laughs> got acquired for three and a, three plus billion dollars by a, some uh, some proprietor, some private bank. So they've probably got bigger issues than just Cisco EOLing their 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 platform. And and actually, we had actually all heard through that process that they were also looking at more proprietary solutions. So I think a lot of companies still don't get the whole fact around proprietary versus non-proprietary and I think the more that we hopefully talk about this the more that'll it'll um to see the light kind of the aha moment great next any other questions we got a few minutes left before we got before you can break for coffee and goodies any other questions all right while you're somebody else is thinking one I'll ask one um we've talked about certain elements of the uh, constituents right in these kind of evolving ecosystems for music etc if we're thinking a year from now, we talked about this um, last week, I think. If we think out a year from now, what are some of the constituents we haven't mentioned here? I'm thinking in particular, is this the kind of thing that social media marketing you know, platforms that you might be using, Matthew, to kind of measure audience and things like that, do they need to be thinking about this as well in that space? So in other words, somebody who's, again, the, the I think they're generally referred to as social media marketing platform yeah. measurement platforms. Yeah, so we were talking a little about, the, you know, before we... I mean, the whole the whole thing around the brand experience is around how how is your audience engaging with the brand, and the great thing about what what the collective does is we provide all the different we all we all our core our core competency is providing best of breed solution in terms of what we do, but at the end of the day, how do you actually use that to really drive a really compelling user experience that's going to keep your audience engaged, and. If you plug in a new system, if you plug in a new mobile, or if you plug in like a, you know, a push in the UK, which does this in a bunch of cool, really technology, different technologies. If you plug in best of breed, it's going to create a really compelling user experience. It's going to really drive engagement, lift engagement, and keep that keep that user, you know, sticky to the site. But is there like an analytics vendor in the middle of all this, you know, measuring the, the, the user experience? So, so there, so there absolutely could be, and then there could be a monolithic solution in place, like a like an Omniture. There could be a Google that can measure things like you know run of site analysis and things like that. You know, we're actually building um, analytics, um, you know, built into our platform. But I think where the space is going is how do you actually work together as a collaborative to create using open standards, you know, a general analytics platform that everybody can use to be able to understand that. I know Lee wants to probably no, Hebrew this through. Is you know, I'm more interested right now in, in making engaging experiences and getting as many apps on the page and see which one is something that's interesting to fan. Is chat more interesting than commenting or, would, you know, and, and I need to do, we are talking about building a BI system behind that because I want to say, isolate who did what and, and then reward the ones who, who make more rewarding experiences. Um, and, and, and Chris Saad said, this is currently an identity spec, but you've even said that backplane, you could have a, yeah. this is, I'm repeating what these guys tell me. So. <laughs> no, I mean, you what I know so is, cleverly. No, no, no. <laughs> but the idea that you could have a, an anonymous widget, maybe not even a visible widget, but used to capture BI and say, the user's doing yeah, this, this, data. and this, and then measure that. But that, yeah. that is vaporware, but that's a kind of, to, that would be a great product to see integrated to the backplane. And I'm not saying those, that they would be excluded, but the notions of who owns that data, it's the site that's using that. And so again, the anonymous widget might be a, something that a, one of these measurement analytics yes. companies would be, be using, we, we, but the key is the, yeah. you, the site owner, maintains that data. Yeah, You're just leveraging another tool. Meaning not visible, 
I mean, right. not visible as something you interact with, but as a tool the publisher, UMG, yeah. uses to analyze the effectiveness of all the other widgets on the page. Yeah, but that's a great point. I mean, the, the, the point is, is it, you have multiple different systems that you're trying to understand how a user is doing things. So if you can have a single system, you can plug in and understand who's logging in. You know who is who is commenting, who's sharing to Facebook. You know who's getting rewarded and who's leveling up. All that stuff. If you can get that into a single experience, it's highly light and easy and plugs right into Backplane. I mean, I I think that's a that's a and really at the end of point. the day, you know, it's just a protocol for rapid turnkey deployments and for making sure that all the widgets on a page communicate very securely with each other. So you can put any kind of use cases together. It makes it very very simple. And the faster time to market is at the end of the day what we're all striving for here. So we, on all of that, um, we've been speaking, as I said at the beginning of the whole thing, we've been speaking a lot about single sign-on. Um, the way that works is there is the backplane protocol, which is think of it like the, the conference bridge. And then we have the identity scenario. Think of that as like English, right? So we're, all the widgets are speaking English and they know how to log in and log out the user. There is an intention to add Spanish and French. And so Spanish might be, uh, the activity application scenario. So every time an activity occurs on the page, that gets pushed across the backplane. Mm -hmm. There might be a permission roles and permissioning scenario. So every time the user gets granted admin privileges or moderator privileges or special access, that goes across the backplane. So what you guys are talking about is broadening the, the messages, the message types, um, and then uh, an, a BI or analytics vendor being able to trap all those message types and measure them uh, or what I love about Badgeville's solution is not just measure them, but communicate the business outcomes back to the end user to put a carrot in front of them and say, if you just do that one more time, we'll give you a carrot, right? Yeah. So uh, it's, it's analytics with actionable uh, feedback to the user. And, so and, and, and it creates actually interesting new opportunities that maybe you like roll out a microsite six months from now, maybe Jay-Z and Kanye want to do some new social collaboration, for instance, I'm just top of mind here. And they want to create some, you know, some kind of cross-site social idea. Um, being able to actually quickly roll out to market and understand engagement and user behavior across all the different, uh, you know, collabor collaborations in the stack. That's just something that wasn't possible before. Now it is. Cool. Great. Well, I think we're right up on the uh, the end of the session. I'd like you all to thank these folks for taking time and thank you for showing up. And your coffee is out there. And these guys will be floating around if you have any other questions. Thanks.